Well, good morning. It is so good to see you. Thank you so much. We turned the heat on for you. How about that? That's a... It is freezing in Michigan. And so welcome to those of you here in Plymouth, those of you at Northridge Grosseal, Northridge Brighton, even Northridge Saline. Welcome and even those of you watching online. It's just great to have you here. And if you're a guest, special welcome as we finish out this series, 2016 Words, talking about the words that define our experience with Jesus and our mission from Jesus in this world as a church community. And we're just thrilled to have you here with us. I, I, last weekend was the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl. Curious, how many of you watched the Super Bowl? Okay. Uh, uh, were you for Denver? Go like this if you were. Were you? Okay. Were you for Carolina? Go, you know. How many of you just really, it's all about the food? Yeah! That's right, okay. Well, as we were watching the Super Bowl last weekend, and for me, it, I, you know, I'm a Lions fan because I like losers, personally. And um, just kidding. Just kidding. They can still win. I'm 57. They never have, but they still can. New season next year. But I, when it came to the Super Bowl, it was, for me... Um, family, friends, another reason to get together and that kind of thing. And, uh, and in watching the game, I, I remembered a description of professional football that I had heard years and years before that I've never forgotten. Uh, here, here's the description of professional football. 22 men on the field desperately in need of rest with thousands upon thousands of fans in the stand desperately in need of some exercise. That's a great definition of professional football. The reason I thought of that is because as we move towards this last talk in this very, very important and for me impacting series that we've been doing, I realized how that was an apt description, sadly, of modern-day Christian churches and modern-day Christians in many ways. Because if you look at the, the average Christian community, church family, there are a few professionals who work their tails off to make church happen, to try and spread the light of Jesus and spread the truth of Jesus and spread the love of Jesus. And, and the vast majority of people who make up Christian communities and churches are just showing up once in a while on a weekend to enjoy the show. I mean, in the average, it doesn't even come every week, you know. It's like maybe one or two times a month. And, and so a couple of people just investing their whole life in, in making the truth and making the love known through that spiritual community. But the average Christ follower is just coming to watch. They're spectators of all that happens. They, they consider it an unbelievable sacrifice to actually get up and come and sit and watch the show because they could be staying on, on their couch at home and watching shows on TV. And so it's a major sacrifice. And that's kind of how it looks. And this isn't a judgment. I'm not trying to be harsh. It's just a reality when you look around it. It's like professional football. A couple of people working hard and the rest of everybody just enjoying their lives. But here's what you need to know. That's not what Jesus had in mind. I mean, that's not why he came to... To call us to come and be spectators of a couple people pouring their hearts out to put on a show. He, he wasn't looking 
to gather a big crowd of spectators and couch potatoes who would sit on the hills of Israel and listen to him teach in greater and greater numbers, and once in a while, when he passed the basket, throw a quarter in. That wasn't, that wasn't what he had in mind. He was looking for people who would stand up and join him in changing the world. He was looking for people who would stand up and join his revolution of love and forgiveness and healing and hope. It wasn't about calling us to be spectators. It was calling us to be participants. And this is important as we come to the conclusion of our 16 words, these words that we believe should define our experience first with Jesus and then define our life in Jesus. We're supposed to be waking the world up to Jesus if we have ourselves awakened to Jesus. Wake the world up to Jesus and we're supposed to be showing them his love if we have experienced his love and we're supposed to be telling them his truth if we've experienced and been transformed by his truth and then this weekend the the last two words and then we're supposed to involve them if we ourselves are involved this is where it's really important because this is what Jesus had in mind involvement and all you have to do, this isn't like me making stuff up for the 21st century to try and get people involved. This isn't about me trying to get you to sign up to, to work in some ministry. Maybe we need nursery workers or Sunday school teachers. And that. Now, there's no recruiting going on here. This, you, you'll see we're not recruiting you for those kind of things. That's not what this is about. This is about a gathering of people who uh, genuinely want to know what it means to follow Jesus. And what it means to genuinely follow Jesus is not to sit around and listen, but to get involved. And you, all you have to do is go back to the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, and you can see it in Matthew chapter 4. At the very beginning of his ministry, we find that Jesus begins his ministry with a call to involvement. That's how he begins it. He begins his ministry by by creating an invitation, by making an invitation. And remember, this is God. And for people who know what it's like to be on the playground as early as elementary school and not to be invited to play, it's a pretty remarkable thing that God himself, Jesus, the creator of this world, the Son of God, the one who loves us more profoundly than anyone else, he started his ministry, he began his ministry by inviting us to play, to get involved. It's a call to involvement. Look at how he says it in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, not special seminary students, not unbelievably vocational ministers, rabbis, but, but fishermen. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. He, he saw two ordinary people, and, and this is what he said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and they followed him. At the very beginning of the ministry, what did, what did Jesus do? He, he invited them not to come and listen, not to come and fill seats in his, his synagogue, but to, to get involved. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And the follow me part's interesting because that's where he starts. He says, I want you to follow me. I want you to, to do life with me. I want you to Get involved with me. I want you to follow me. I want you to live in the context of a relationship with me. I want you to live in my love. 
and I want you to live in my truth. And I want you to know this, if you live in my love and live in my truth, you're going to live out my love and live out my truth because if you follow me, you're going to yourself become what I am, a fisher of men. You're going to start making a difference in this world. And you know what they, they did? They, they said, we'll get involved. They got engaged. And, and by the way, they're the reasons we know about Jesus today. They, they changed the world. Jesus is giving us an opportunity to, to participate in changing the world, but we can't do it sitting. We have to do it standing, getting involved. Do you see that? And, and all the way through his teaching, you can see it. He's not inviting us to sit, to be spectators. He's not, he's not giving a couple of people an opportunity to play and the rest of us get to sit in the bleachers and, and watch the professionals play. He's, he's calling us all inviting us all to be involved. All of us can make a difference. We make a difference in different ways. We have different gifts. We have different abilities. I know that, but, but he's inviting all of us to be involved. And, and even at the end of his ministry, he's making a call, an invitation to involvement. He begins by calling us to involvement, and he ends his ministry on earth with a call to involvement. Look at how he says it in Matthew chapter 28. He says, Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. I mean, help other people become followers. Do what I did with you. You know, when I, when I met you at the Sea of Galilee and I said, hey, come follow me, come get involved in me, and I'll, I'll, I'll make you fishers of men. When you live in my love and truth, you'll live out my love and truth. Now, you need to go and help people live in my love and live in my truth. Get them involved. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and, and teach them to obey. There's the truth. Everything I've commanded you. Get them to live in my love. Get them to live in my truth like you are, and as you live it out, then they'll start living it out, and as you do this, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus ends his ministry with a call to involvement. And, and here's the truth. I mean, Every single one of us, in one way or another, whether we attach our search for God in this or not, every single one of us is looking for meaning. Every single one of us is looking for life. Every single one of us is looking for joy and fulfillment and hope and significance. We want to make a difference. We want our lives to count. I mean, every single one of us in our own way is doing this. And, and the truth is, most of us aren't finding it, even in that which we call Christianity, because we're not finding true Christianity, we're finding religion, we're, we're coming and we're sitting, we're spectators, watching the professionals play, but, but if you really wanna find what Jesus promised, life in all of its fullness, then you need to know what he's calling you to is not a life where you watch others who are involved, he's calling you to follow him, which means he's calling you to be involved. That's what it's about. Here's the truth I want you to see. Following Jesus, is a call to involvement, to participation, to engagement. In fact, I, I decided we, we, we should understand the words we use, and we should make sure, especially if we're going to base our mission on 16 words and describe what our experience with Jesus should be and what our, our activity for Jesus should be with 16 words, we should know the definition of those words, right? Well, so I looked up the word involvement, and I, I thought I knew what it meant, and, 
And when I say it, I think you know what I meant, but what I've discovered is that we all kind of interpret it different ways. When I say involved, you think I'm supposed to, you know, hand out programs at the door and I'm involved, or I'm supposed to do this, or I'm supposed to come and sit in a pew or uh, at Northridge, a theater seat with coffee, and then I'm involved. And, you know, we, we all interpret So what does involvement mean? Well, I looked it up in the dictionary, and there are a couple of definitions, but here's the one that stuck out to me. It's an act of sharing in the activities of a group. It's not a, an individualism thing. It's not, a, it's not an isolation thing. It's I'm involved in a, the activities of a group. It's a community thing. I'm involved. And this is what the church is supposed to be. It's not me. It's us. It's, it's, a, it's a community affair. And, and so I thought, okay, let's go a little bit further. What, it, to really understand a word, it's also good to know what its synonyms are, you know? Some of you are going, synonyms? What is is that what you put on toast with butter in the morning or something like that? No. It's a word that means other words that mean the same thing because that helps you kind of understand the fuller picture. And, and when I looked up the synonym, synonyms of, of involvement, as I looked up the cinnamon with my toast <laughs> and my butter for involvement, here's what they were. Participation. Participation because it's a group activity. It's involvement. Another one was engagement. It's also important if you're going to know what a word is to know what a word isn't and so it's good to look up antonyms as well. Antonyms, that uh, words that aren't that thing, that are opposite of that thing and it's weird. There are no true antonyms of the word involvement and so what they have to do is they have to put a non in front of it. What's the antonym of involvement? Non-involvement. Wow! To not be involved, to not participate, to not be engaged, it's an act of withdrawing from the activities of a group. And here's what you need to know. From the beginning to the end of his ministry, his was not a call to a couple special people leaving everyone else on the bench. That's what religion does. That's what humanity does. That's what culture does. That's what the marketplace does. That's what the educators do. That's what the politicians do. That's what this world does. That's not what Jesus is about. Jesus is saying, I made you all special. I made you all wonderful. I made you all beautiful. I made you all with a purpose. And I don't want you on the bench. I want you to be involved. Following Jesus is a call, an invitation, an opportunity to finally be included, to be involved, to get off the bench, to do something. And so what have we done with Christianity? We've put you all on the bench. It's time for you to play. I mean, this is a very important deal. We get to be involved. It's not a spectator sport. It's not about four walls in a cathedral. It's not about coming and sitting in seats, listening to a talk that can be a part of it. Gathering's important, but, but we're supposed to be involved in following Jesus. And I want to just really press it home. It's about participating, not isolating and spectating. It's about engagement, not disengagement. And this talk's not meant to be a judgment. It's not meant to be harsh. It's not meant to be at all negative in its challenge. It's meant to be positive in saying, look it, Jesus has invited you to be a part of his world-changing revolution. You, your longing to make a difference can be fulfilled when you follow Jesus. Your, your longing to find something worth living for can be fulfilled when you follow Jesus because it's a call to be involved. 
And I want to take the truth a little bit further. Following Jesus is a call to involvement in two different directions. And he said it. When you follow me, then I'll make you fishers of men. First you follow me, you live in me, and then you're going to become a fisherman, then you'll live out my love and truth. And so the first thing you need to know, if we're really going to follow Jesus and experience the full impact of being a part of his, his kingdom and fulfilling his invitation in our life, then we have, to, we have to understand it's a call to be involved with Jesus himself. It's not a call to be, you know, second-tier partners with him. It's not a call to sit at a distance and listen. It's not a call to watch others live in him. It's a call for us to be involved with him ourselves. It's not a call for religion at all. It's a call for relationship. And as I talk to most people, I mean, even those of us who have the words down, when we really get down into our lives, we realize we know more about him than we know him. We talk more about him than we really experience him. And if we're going to really follow him, then it means being involved with Jesus. This means we have to be living in his love. Living in his love. What's that mean, living in his love? It means this. Look at all of us are looking for love. God put this innate need for us to experience love. And most of us don't have enough of it. We feel rejected and betrayed and alone. We've been left isolated and out in this world of ours. And so most of us are looking for love in all the wrong places. We're looking for love in the wrong kinds of sexual intimacy. We're looking for love in, in work. We're looking for love in money. We're looking for love in all kinds of things. We're looking for love in all the wrong places. But when we follow Jesus, we find the only love that actually brings us fullness and fulfillment that that actually fills the emptiness and meets the need that we long for, we live in his love. Because his love is unconditional. He, it's not based upon my performance. And don't we live in a world where we think we have to perform well to be loved? And if we don't perform well, then our spouse is going to get rid of us and our boss is going to get rid of us and family is going to reject us and our friends are going to get out of there and our church is going to reject us. I mean, it's all about performance. But you know, his love is unconditional. When we live in his love, we, we know we blow it. He's honest about our failures, but he doesn't reject us because of our failures. He, he loves us in the midst of our failures and helps us to get past them and to not allow them to be final in our lives. He forgives us. And so living in his love redefines our whole life. We don't live insecure, low self-esteem lives where people have to lie to us when we finish 20th out of 20 kids. They give us a blue ribbon and tell us we won. They, and the reason we have to do that is we have to lie to people because they, they feel unloved and that makes them feel worse. But you know, your value is not based upon winning a race and getting a blue ribbon. And when you live in his love, you don't have low self-esteem and low value. You don't have to live a lie. You don't have to get ribbons for things you didn't do because you already have the great blue ribbon that God loves you and has called you to be on his team in his family and be part of what he's doing in this world. You live in his love. And we're called to be involved with him, which means we're called to be involved with him in living in his truth, living in his truth. And he makes it clear his truth sets us free. We feel unloved, but he says, no, God loves you always. We, 
we feel un unvaluable. And he says, no, I've made you fearfully and wonderfully. You're more, more unique. You're unique. No one's like you. You're perfect for what I've created you for. And we live in his truth. We live in his truth that, that there are right things and there are wrong things in this world, that, that our choices can determine whether we live broken lives or beneficial lives. We live in his truth and it sets us free. Gives us a roadmap for moving. And so following Jesus is a call to involvement with Jesus, living in his love, living in his truth. Look at how he says it in John 15, starting with verse 5. I'm the vine, you're the branches. I'm the source of life, and you branches connected to me get your life from me. So if a man remains in me, the vine, and I in him, that, that person's going to bear much fruit, of course, because a branch attached to the vine will bear fruit. But apart from me, if the branch is detached from me, they can do nothing, no fruit, because there's no life. And then he jumps to verse 9. He says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Remain in my love. Live in my love. That's what following me is about. And then if you obey my commands, what are his commands? Truth. He goes, if you live in my truth, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. And then he says something very interesting in verse 11. He goes, I have lived in my Father's love, and I have lived in my Father's truth. And now I'm inviting you to live in my truth and live in my love. And, and he says, this is why I'm doing this. I've told you this so that my joy, the joy that I have in my life from living in his love and truth can be in you and that your joy may be complete. We're looking for joy in this world. We try and find it in our work. We try and find it in our relationships. We try and find it in pleasure. We try and find it in cheering for a football team that wins. Good luck. Uh, we, we, we try and find joy in all kinds of ways, but there's only one place joy comes from, and that's from living in his truth and living in his love. And this is why so few people have it. And he's invited us to have this complete joy. It doesn't mean life goes great around us. It means we can have joy in the midst of any storm when we live in his love and truth. That's amazing. And then he tells us, okay, if you're going to follow me, you're going to become a fisher of men. Not only are you going to live in my love and truth and have this complete joy, but you're not going to be able to help yourself because you're going to then, if you follow me, it's a call to be involved with others. It's a call to be involved with others. And he says we, we need to, if we're living in his love, we need to then be involved in living out his love with others. And if we are involved in living in his truth, then it's also a call to live out his truth with others. Look at how John 13, 34 and 35 says that Jesus is talking. He says, a new truth, a new command I give you that you need to live in. Live in this truth. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this will all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another. He's saying, look, at when you live in my truth and when you live in my love, you naturally live out my truth and live out my love. In fact, it's how people will recognize you. It's not by your politics. It's not that you sit and spectate on a weekend. It's not by what you wear or the radio stations you listen to or the TV shows you do or don't watch. It's not by that. You, you, when you live in my love and live in my truth, you live out my love and truth, and people will know you're mine. It's a call to involvement. And there are some examples of this, and he goes further because this is where it gets challenging for me because it's easy for me to say, oh, yeah. And I know, I, look, at I'm a human being. I'm living in his truth. And then I'll quote a verse. 
<laughs> like that means, you know, I'm living in it. And that, oh, I'm living in his love, and I'll think of a circumstance where I, you know, did something compassionate for someone, and I, I give myself a pass. Are you like this? I give myself a pass if I can find any place where it was even close to true in my life. Are you like this? Now, I don't give you a pass. You suck. But I give me a pass. You know, I'm kind of easier on myself than you, and you're the same way. This is how we are. But, but then he, he describes it in a way that makes it very difficult to give ourselves a pass on. He says, if you're really following me, if you're really living in my love, if you're really living in my truth, and you're really living out my love and living out my truth, this is what it'll look like. In Romans 15, 7, he says, you'll accept one another. If you're living in my love, and that means you're living in my acceptance. If you're living in my truth, that means you know that I haven't rejected you. You've rejected me. I've accepted you, and, and that means you'll live out that love and truth by accepting one another. That doesn't look like modern-day Christianity, does it? I mean, we can't even get along with people who are here together. Let alone people who are out there. People who vote different, people talk different, people look different, people listen. It's crazy. But he says, if you're living in my truth and living in my love, you'll accept one another as I've accepted you. And then he goes further. Look at Romans 15, verse 14. He says, you'll instruct one another. If you're living in my truth, you're going to live out my truth. You're going to share that truth with others. But aren't we living in a world where we're afraid to tell people God's truth because it's not politically correct? Let me just tell you something. If we've experienced the transforming power of his truth, we would have confidence to share it. The problem is that we don't have confidence to share it because we're not experiencing its transforming power, which means we're not living in it. It's a call to involvement. This isn't a call to, oh, that was a good talk. That was a bad talk. That talk reeked. That talk wasn't worth getting out in sub-zero weather for. It's not about judgment like that. It's about saying, I'm living in his truth so much that I want to share it with others. And he says, if you're living, if you're involved in living in my love and truth, you're going to live it out by serving one another. By serving one another. Galatians 5.13. And you know, the average church in America is seriously, did you know the average church in America, uh, of course, there are a lot of empty seats and all that stuff. They don't need more parking. They need less. They don't need more seats. They don't need, you know, they need less and people are leaving and all that stuff. But, but people in the average church, they know where they sit in that church. They know where they sit. And when someone's sitting in their seat, they just come and they just look. And if the person doesn't move, then they say, that's my seat. In Jesus' name, get out. You know, that kind of thing. That's not serving one another. See, that's what spectators do. I bought this seat at the Fox Theater. It's mine. Get out of it. That's not serving. That's being served. But see, when you're living in his love and living in his truth, he, he served you. He's hung on a cross for you. And, and you want to then live out his love and live out his truth by serving one another. Are you? When we're really living in his truth, living out his love, what, what happens is we bear with one another, Ephesians 4.2 says. We put up with each other. 
work with each other and try and help each other. You know what else happens? We forgive one another, Ephesians 4.30 says. 4.32, we, yeah, we've been betrayed, yeah, we've been hurt, yeah, people have done damage to us, but, but when we're living in his love and truth, he's repaired the damage and healed the brokenness, and so we don't have to give to others what they gave to us. We can forgive them. We live it out, but you know, most, most of us aren't. Don't most of us have someone we refuse to forgive? So we're not really living in his love and truth, right? Because we're not living it out. Well, we're supposed to forgive one another, and we're supposed to be devoted to one another. Doesn't mean as long as it's convenient, you do what I want you to do, that I'm devoted to you, but I'm devoted to you regardless, devoted to one another. Like, he, he stayed devoted even when we pound the nails in his wrists and his feet. And we're supposed to encourage one another. If we're living in his love, he's always encouraging us. We know that he's for us and not against us. And, and so we live out that love and truth and we encourage one another and stir each other up to love and good works. And that's one of the reasons Hebrews 10 says we should keep getting together because it's in getting together with people who are living in his love and truth that we get stirred up to live in his love and truth. And and we get encouraged to do more and more and more and to be involved. I don't know about you, but that doesn't always happen when I'm at church. Some of my worst moments have been with Christians who see it as a spectator sport. You're not doing what I want. You're not leading us how I want. You're not teaching me how I want. You're making me a little uncomfortable. This, this is my church and this is this. Look at... If that's what you want, you're getting the same thing that politics offers us and education offers us and the marketplace offers us and the Neighborhood Community Association offers us and Uncle Sam and Aunt Sally offer us. It's nothing you want. But if you want something different, Jesus has invited you to be involved in living in his love and living in his truth, which then will be lived out, and that's a revolution that will change the world. But we have to get involved in it. We have to get involved in it. Uh, for, for those of you who are at our regionals, and I'm so thrilled you're there and everything, there were three people who got really excited about that just now. About ten people that joined them because they felt guilty, and the rest of the people were just saying, it sucked, why are you clapping for that? I mean, it was kind of the response we had here. But I, I just, I, this is so important. And if you're new to us, I get excited sometimes. And, the, and when I get excited, I get really intense. And it sounds like I'm really, you know, beating a drum. But I, I am so passionate about this because... I've experienced what Jesus can do in me, and I hate it that so few people are experiencing that in them. I'm not a professional who says, don't try this at home. I'm telling you Jesus didn't create professionals. He's called all of us to be in his family, and we should all be living this at home. You can experience what Jesus came to give you. So here's the application. If we're going to genuinely follow Jesus and fulfill his call, if we're going to wake up to Jesus and wake the world up to Jesus, then we have to get involved ourselves. We have to get involved ourselves. I mean, we just have to do it. And, and this is where I need to speak to some of you. I believe some of you are yet to find God's love and God's forgiveness and God's acceptance in your life. And so you're living in the darkness of your guilt and your shame, your failure. You're covering it up with maybe religion or covering it up with a perception and image you're creating, but you're empty on the inside, guilty on the inside. Did you know when Jesus died on that cross, he died in 
the place of you for your sin. And when he rose, it was to give you new life and you don't have to carry the guilt and you don't have to carry the shame anymore. You don't have to be defined by your failures anymore. You don't have to see yourself as unworthy because in Jesus' love and truth, you can be set free from that. You can be forgiven and you can start anew. And I, I before we end this, this series and this weekend in a unique way of worship in a few moments, I just want to give you this chance to, to step into his love and truth. And so I'm going to ask you and invite you to pray with me just for a minute, if you would. And for those of you at our regional campuses, if you would just bow in a word of prayer. And if you're watching online, just engage this prayer with us. And if you're ready to take this step, just open yourself to his love and truth. Just say, Jesus, I, I want to live in your love, not just hear about it. I want to experience the freedom of your truth, not just learn about it. I've sinned against you. I'm guilty. I'm empty without you, but in this moment, I'm opening myself up to your forgiveness. Here's my sin, and by faith, I claim your forgiveness and love. Let me experience the truth of your freedom. Save me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you did just pray with me, I, please let us know. We've put together a letter about next steps that you can take. It's so easy to get. If you're in one of our services at this campus or one of the regionals, just take out your program, fill out the connection card, check that circle at the bottom. There are boxes at every exit. Throw it in there. We'll do the rest. And if you're watching online, just hit the what next button. We'll do the same for you. But, you know, living in Jesus' love and truth isn't just something that people who don't know Jesus need to engage. It's something we need to engage did you know what, what Jesus said to his church, his people in the book of the Revelation, people who already knew him? He says, behold, I stand at the door of your life and I'm knocking. And if you open the door, I'll come in and I'll do life with you. You know, I find in my life, I know it's true in your life, we shut Jesus out sometimes, don't we? No wonder we don't have complete joy and hope. And I just really encourage you, open your life to him again. Open your life to his truth. In fact, we've started this thing called 16 by 16 Bible study tips. Last weekend, I'm so excited, 3,000 of you texted us or gave us your email saying, we want to open the Bible and learn how to hear from God ourselves, and you're going to be involved in the next 16, 16 days doing it. Starting Monday, February 15th, tomorrow, we're going to send you a tip through text or email, however you decide to do it, and help you go. And to get a text, you just send it to 313131, that's the number. In the text, you just write 16 words all you say, no space, 16 words, we'll send you a text and we'll start doing this. If you want to do it by email, just fill out that connection card in the program and put your email address in the notes thing. We'll send you emails, study tips to help the Bible come alive for you. What are you trying to do? You're trying to live in his love and truth. And then, if we're really involved with him, when we live in his love and truth, we're, we're involved ourselves, then we will seek to involve others. We'll seek to involve others. We'll seek to have them live in his love and truth and live out his love and truth, like Matthew 28 says. Let me ask you, are you? Think about us. It's like Jesus has us on the beach of the Sea of Galilee, and, and he's saying, hey, come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. It's time for those of us who are following him to become fishers of men to start seeking to help others live in and live out his love and truth. To show them his love and tell them his truth. To accept them, to serve them, to encourage them. 
As I was putting together this series, I've been meeting a lot with the staff about ways that we can make this live in our ministry beyond a series and how our spiritual formation and ministries here can line up well with these and help you keep going from here and, and how we can end each talk and each service in a way that would help to cement that particular truth in our lives. And with the words involve them, it would be easy for us to think we were fulfilling our duty for you if we gave you an opportunity to be involved. Like, lots of ministries around here sign up for one. The only problem is this is bigger than that. Way bigger. <laughs> You're not following Jesus, living in his truth, living out his truth, living in his love, living out his love, because you sign up to watch a baby once in a while in our nursery, though that's a good thing. You're not, you're not fulfilling this call if you sign up to you know, be guest services once in a while or run a video camera. That's good. Those are awesome. It's a product of wanting to be involved. We should use our gifts this way, but that's not the thing. It's bigger than that. It's about saying my whole life is now going to participate in the life of Jesus, in the love of Jesus, in the truth of Jesus. I'm going to breathe in and breathe out Jesus' love. I'm going to breathe in and breathe out Jesus' truth, and it'll affect every part of my life, my personal life, my thought life, what goes on inside, what goes on outside. It will affect how I work with my family and how I work with my, my marketplace uh, laborers. It'll, it'll affect what I do in my community, how I am when I drive my car. It's participating in the life of Jesus forever. And we thought, what's the best way to stamp this one? And you know, one of our teams suggested something, and it was right on. They said, how about communion? The celebration of communion is when we're being confronted by the symbols of the bread and the juice the memory of what he did with his body and what he did with his blood and how he loved us unconditionally so that his truth could set us free and, and so that we could then become light in this world and offer it to others. And, and we thought, what a, what a wonderful way for us to accept the call, to follow him again. And so that's what we're going to do. In fact, I want to see, show you the conclusion of, of the talk. Jesus has given us a, a very special way to examine ourselves. He gave it to us. We didn't invent it. A way that we can examine ourselves and look at ourselves. He's given us a very special way that then we can, as we examine ourselves and say, I'm not living in his love. I'm not living in his truth. I'm not living out his love. I'm not living out his truth. We can make appropriate adjustments in our lives. We can, we can make decisions and choices to do it differently. And, and that special way is the celebration of communion. And I, I want to show you 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. Jesus says, for I received from the Lord, Jesus through Paul says, I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper he took the cup saying, this is cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. When you do this, you remember about living in his love and truth and living out his love and truth. It's a proclamation. It's a, you're telling yourself and you're reminding yourself and you're telling those around you, I, I'm living in his love. I'm living in his truth. I want to live it out. And, and I know this because look at verse 28 of 1 Corinthians 11. A man ought to examine himself before he eats the bread and drinks the cup. And we thought, 
that one of the greatest things we could do for you to bring this series to a close is to let you hold and confront the symbols of the bread and the juice and remember what he's done for you. He has introduced you to love and truth. And if you're living in it, you will live it out. And I, I just really encourage you as we celebrate communion. We've never done this since we've been Northridge Church on a weekend. We've never done this. But we think it's vitally important that we say, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you. And we're going to do it with communion. Now, for those of you who aren't living in his love and living in his truth and you're not ready to, we're glad you're here. It's one of the reasons we don't celebrate communion on the weekend because, you see, Jesus didn't celebrate communion when the masses were gathered on the hills. He celebrated communion in a private room with those who were his dedicated followers. And we tend to do communion at a different time, but we're doing it now. But if you aren't living in his love and truth, just let it pass you by. There'll be no judgment. You can't proclaim his death until he comes if you're not living in the hope of, of his life and resurrection. And so it's okay. And if you're not ready as a believer to be living in his love and do that, you, you then examine yourself and go, no, I'm not into that. Okay, it's okay. Don't participate. But if you with those disciples on the Sea of Galilee hear him say, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, if you're willing to say, I'm coming, I'm following live in me and through me. We're going to receive this communion. And Jesus, before he broke the bread and passed the cup, prayed. And so I'm going to ask you if you would stand with me right now as I pray. I want you to know, buckets are going to pass. As we sing this next song, buckets are going to pass with 16 words on it. And there'll be individual packets with both the bread and the juice. It's one little packet. And I have to tell you, this is very practical, but I have to tell you, this isn't the easiest thing to open. And so when you take this, just know there's two openings. The first one's the bread. It's a little cellophane thing on the top. You'll see it. That'll be the first thing. And then the second thing is the juice. And I'm telling you, if you're not careful with this, you're going to have a dry cleaning bill. I'm just telling you right now. So be really careful. But I'm asking you to take it and hold it until I come back up after this song. And we will together, as a group, be involved in this activity of saying, I come, I follow, I accept. Jesus, right now, I pray for each one here, knowing that you love them. And the truth is, you made them to be a participant in your family, to be involved in what you're doing in this world. And I know not all of us are, not all of us do, but I pray in this moment that all of us would say yes to living in your love and living in your truth and then living it out. Thank you for what you did with your body and your blood to transform us. And may we use it as we remember right now as our means of screaming out yes we follow. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.